Welcome to the Knowles 24-7 Podcast. I'm Brendan Sinone. Joining me today are Chris Nee and Josh Newberg. Guys, I know you're excited to talk a lot about our recruiting, so uh, do me a favor, say hi to the folks, and let's get going. Good afternoon. I'm here for it. Josh said he was born ready. I'm pretty sure he's been sitting uh, sitting with his laptop open, the microphone on for the last, I don't know, 12 hours. It's been a busy, busy couple of days since camp. So, guys, let's take us through camp, and there's been a ton of action, a ton of commitments. Uh, just go with a quick hitter. Uh, Josh, maybe you start us off and let us know what your impressions were of camp and what FSU uh, has accomplished the last couple of days. I thought camp was a smashing success. It gave Florida State the jolt that it needed to get some positive recruiting momentum going. We we kind of said how things fall flat heading out of spring and in between these summer camps. And that's an annual occurrence for Florida State. But, you know, we don't really jump all over it. Uh, you got to be patient, as, as we preach almost on every podcast. In like this three times week, last podcast. Yeah, and this is really why, because you look at where things stood prior to camp season, prior to summer, there were some glaring holes, there were some some big question marks. And after a pair of camps, after six days of total camps all summer, things start looking, things start making a lot of sense. Um, Yeah, there's still some things that don't make sense, but for the most part, we're back to where we were last summer. We're back to where we were the summer before. Uh, Florida State has the number seven ranked class. They're just on the outside of the top five, just as they've been the past couple years. And here we are um, looking at about 10 spots to fill. Florida State's going to uh, recruit that elite group again. They're going to win some games and they're going to land some guys that Florida State fans don't expect or, or hadn't seen coming. So, I think everything's lining up for this to be, you know, right around where the prior classes finished, top five or better. I thought camp was really good. Um, the truth is, you know, July this year was a little bit down in the sense of attendance and things of that sort. I think some of that has to do with high school starting earlier, coaches not being allowed to bring kids and get paid to work the camp, stuff like that. And uh, that was an observation that was shared by others that worked the camp and know the camp circuit and whatnot. But in general, for what FSU did get on campus, I thought it cleared up a lot of pictures for them. We know clearly the quarterback they want is Justin Fields. We saw them get a couple major linebackers, Rosendo Lewis, Channing Tyndall. They came on campus. That helped clear up that picture some. The wide receiver picture continues to clear up, plus they added a very talented 2019 kid from Texas at that position. So for me, the camp really was an opportunity to kind of see how FSU is setting themselves up for the last you know four to six months of the recruiting cycle when they go after the big dogs. You know, I think they said that 17 commitments after today with Israel Mukuamu jumping on board. And, you know, everything's kind of falling into place. There's some things that we still have a little uncertainty on, and we're going to discuss those. Defensive ends, one of those examples. But in general, I think the word that sums it up for me is clarity. All right, Chris. So you mentioned some of the commitments. They had, what, one, two, three, four, five in the last two or three days? Uh and, and that's a smattering in both 2018 and 2019 class. Let's just go down the list real quick for for all five of the guys and kind of get your guys' thoughts on them. And let's start with the name that I'll probably end up butchering, even though, Chris, you just said it magnificently, and we spent about 15 minutes me practicing it. Israel Mukamu. Is, Mukamu, is that right? Mukuamu. Mukuamu. <laughs> Mukuamu. It's not that difficult. Mukuamu. 
Six foot five, talented, versatile defensive back, kind of in that mold of Hampson Nazardine. He's not as physical as Hampson. He's a free safety all day. He could play corner if he had to, but I think he settles in as a free safety in Florida State system. Just a talented kid. They loved him. They brought him in in June. They offered him on the spot. That was all kind of set up to be done. It wasn't one of these things where he came out of nowhere and they loved him that day and then he became a target. They had liked him before that. They just wanted to do some things in person. He returned to camp or to FSU a couple days later after that camp, visited toward then. That's basically when he committed to FSU. So it's a nice get. People are going to look at him as a three-star on our network. I think he'll be bumped up at some point. Maybe not a four-star, but a very high three-star. He chose FSU over basically South Carolina. There were some other suitors in there. Clemson, Georgia, both took a look late. Georgia offered. Clemson did not. Talented kid. I think he'll do very well in FSU secondary. He's a kid that they wanted a great deal. They think very highly of him as a staff. Josh, what are your thoughts on Muku Amu? Israel Mukuwamu, I mean, he's a guy that I really liked at camp. I was uh, tweeting while he was there. As soon as I saw him take a rep or two, I was like, geez, this guy needs an offer. Um, he backed it up in one-on-ones. He was excellent. There was no question in my mind that that offer was coming. Um, then after camp, you know, I learned that this was a guy that Florida State had actually been in on prior to this. And once we find, found out that he wasn't truly from the Bayou, you know, he's from, from South Carolina originally, I really thought FSU had a shot. And then in, in the in the weeks at, after that, you know, they did a good job of following up with him. He, he returned for a visit two days later. I forgot about that part. And, um, you know, the writing was on the wall that he was going to be Florida State for a while now. I think we fully expected this. And, um, yeah, Chris had a pre-write on it with Israel himself. So not a big surprise, but it is a big addition. I was talking to Steve Wilfong this, this afternoon. He called me. He's our national recruiting analyst of 24-7. And he told me he was going over some of the commits and, and looking at their rankings and watching more film on them. And I think Mukuwamu is a guy that, that definitely has a chance to see a boost in the ratings, maybe not by the end of summer, but certainly during his senior year. Yeah, I think, I think Mukuwamu, Huggins, Huggins, and Joyner are all three guys that are committed that are three-star types that we could easily see rise to four stars. Did you drop the microphone, Josh? Yeah, basically. <laughs> so much for being perfect. You know, we do this podcast, and Josh is the only one who never has any audio problems, usually Chris or myself, occasionally Bob. So it's good to see that Josh is human as well. Uh, let's move on to uh, some of the 2019. <laughs> Sorry. Let's move on to some of the 2019 guys. Uh, Jalen Curry, wide receiver from uh, from Texas and a big-time guy and seems to have some sway with some some other guys in the Texas area. Uh, Josh, let's start with you. Your thoughts on, on Curry? On Booby Curry? Oh, is it Booby? Yeah, I think we're going to change his name in the database. Um... I almost had one name right there. Yeah, I mean, his dad basically told us when – so on the first day that he was there, Chris is in the middle of a conversation with his father and kind of brings me into it. I, and as soon as I get in the conversation, his dad's just like, his name is Booby. Do not call him Jalen. He does not answer to Jalen. Everybody calls him Booby, so please call him Booby. And we're like, all right, I'm you know – there's already enough Jalen's on the on the commit list and target list between, you know, Jalen Curry, Jalen McCullough, uh, Jalen Simpson. There's just a lot of Jalen's. Be in, in a noonie, 
that are soon to be on the roster. How how do you get um, the name nickname Booby? Was that a, Nick, was that part of the conversation? Definition on on where it came from? No, I, we did not. I uh, there's been boobies in the past out of Texas, uh, re- football recruits, football players. So I wonder if there's something that goes back to Texas and it being a thing there, or if it's a family deal. But now nah, we didn't get an explanation on it. I'm uncomfortable talking to a grown man about calling a you know 17 year old booby, but. If that's what he wants to be called, I'm going to call him that. His yeah. dad was dead ass serious, right? Well, yeah. he, was talking- he, he was adamant that we call him Booby. He's like, his name is Jalen, but he goes by Booby. Yeah, he, was, he was basically giving us the, the, the commitment as long as we called him Booby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, Josh literally on the fly organized how he was going to shoot a video for this commitment like 35 seconds after I brought him into a conversation where the first 34 seconds of the conversation was about calling the young man Booby. Yeah, so we're standing there, and his dad just asks me, hey, you know, he's going to do the commit with you guys, but he wants to do a video. Can you guys do that? And I'm 35 seconds into this conversation. I just look at his dad, having never done a video in my life, and I just said, yeah, I got some ideas. Josh was like, <laughs> I make movies. <laughs> so, so it was great. Um, I had one idea of him walking out of the moor and, and committing – and um, just walking up to the to the Bowden statue and doing something, but there was a bunch of reporters out there, and I didn't want them to get tipped off to the fact that we were going to have a, a a pre-recorded video. So I knew the stadium was open, and we went into the stadium, uh, me and me and Booby, and I just kind of said, "Hey, why don't you stand on the fifty and and let's do this?" And you can thank some people, and then I'll get a shot of you walking off the field. We literally spent 10 minutes filming that video on my iPhone and, and edited on my iPhone, and I thought it came out pretty good. He, he's a real low-key kid. I love the fact that he didn't want to involve any other teams. He didn't want to put on like a uh, Texas shirt and pull it off. And have, so he just wanted to get in there, people, and commit to Florida State, and and that's just the type of kid that he is. So, and um, on the field, he's a hell of a player. I mean, yeah. He was really good in the camp setting. He's an athletic kid, real quick, real fast, real sure-handed, did excellent work across the middle. He can do some things. I mean, he's a really, really nice kid. I know a lot of people that I talk to that cover Texas are extremely high on him. I think Theo Weiss is about the only receiver I ever hear them talk you know, more highly of than him in-state. But there's a lot of people that think he's a really, really good player and an excellent get for FSU. And uh, the Theo Weiss kid tweeted uh, tweeted at yeah. Booby as well. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, that they want to, you know, some interest in potentially playing together. I think some of that's a fishing expedition, but you know, he's a six foot three kid who's talented. So if he wants you to give him a little interest, you know, you're Florida State's in contact with Theo Weiss. Yeah. Um, like Chris said, you, you know, it's good that he said it for Florida State, but it doesn't mean you can't take everything literal uh, on Twitter. So. What? I mean, hey, he's impacted by by Curry's commitment to Florida State. It got him excited, and he's a guy that Florida State does have interest in. So it's definitely something to watch. Yeah, there's something to be said for keeping the pipeline to Texas going. It's been a state that's been really good to Florida State in recent years. So uh, let's keep it moving. Uh, we're trying to go fast, and we spent two minutes talking about a kid named Booby, and only the name before getting any other stuff. So uh, another 2019 kid. Uh, Five-star cornerback Akeem Dent, sorry, cornerback I'll enunciate uh, from South Florida. Obviously, that's a huge, huge get for Florida State. Uh, he's 
tall. He's athletic. Uh, guys, love, let's start with you, Chris. What are your thoughts on Akeem and guess what that means for Florida State to get a get a guy of that caliber uh, kind of in the fold there for 2019? Uh, Dent's a huge get. I mean, he might be the best corner in the country for next year's class. He's an in-state kid. He's a former Miami Hurricane commitment. He's a six-foot-plus defensive back who's athletic as hell, quick-handed, can cover you like a glove. I mean, he's everything FSU loves to have at that position. He worked out on Friday morning, which was kind of a softly attended session as far as real high-end prospects, and he put on a show. He was excellent. He did really well in front of Jimbo, Charles Kelly, Jeremiah Wilson, Mario Edwards Jr., all the guys that you know take account of the defensive backs there. Excellent get. Very good job closing that deal, getting him on campus for multiple days and you know, doing a good job of kind of doing the camp setting and the hangout around the program setting. It was almost like an official visit without them flipping the bill. Um, so really good get. Now you gotta fight tooth and nail to hang on to him down the stretch, but you know, it, it looks real good to have the nation's arguably the nation's best cornerback already under the Florida State commitment headline. Kurt, for the time being. Um, while I do think there's a lot of interest with Dent and Florida State, and I do think, you know, um, having talked to him after the camp, he, he came out of there really high on Florida State, really high on his opportunity to work with Charles Kelly and compete at camp. Um, but he is a wild card. I mean, last year at this time, he was solidly committed to Miami. A year later, it's Florida State. So we'll see, you know, next year at this time if he's still on the list. But to just add what Chris said, um, he was at camp. I agree with everything Chris said. But last year, he was at camp, and this kid was so lean. Um, he looked like he was just com- maybe coming out of eighth grade. I couldn't believe how much weight he put on in the offseason. He, he looks like now he's starting to look the part. Uh, he, he's more than just fast. He's physically strong. He competes, and um, I really like the pickup for Florida State. Yeah, and it, it continues the trend of FSU really doing well in 2019. I mean, they already got him. They got a not talented defensive back in Kenyatta. They're in the race for Jalen McAuliffe. You know, they've gotten a lot of big boys. Uh, Wanye Morris on the offensive line, True Thompson, Quayshawn Fuller, uh, Mike Morris on the defensive line. So, you know, they, they've really laid nice groundwork there. They've got, I think it's eight total commitments for 2019 at this point. The class is number one or number two in the nation, top in the ACC. You know, they're, they're doing a pretty phenomenal job of laying good groundwork. It's always our tough to hold on to one of those kids for 18, 24 months, but you know, you'd rather be in a good spot now than, you know, playing catch up and they're definitely not playing catch up. All right. So let's uh, transition to uh, back to 2018 defensive end, Chaz Neal, big kid. Well, I think he's listed at six foot seven and uh, didn't have a huge offer sheet, lower rank guy, uh, but he's tall and he's seemingly athletic. Uh, Josh, what are your thoughts on Neal? Was that a surprise take for FSU at this point? Oh, it's a huge surprise take for me. Um, Chaz Neal's been on my radar since his since his fresh, actually since he was an eighth grader. Um, I knew somebody that was bringing him around and 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 had introduced me to him. And you know, Chaz was six foot four as an eighth grader, six foot five. He's he's about six seven now. He's always been the same type of player, a very raw athlete with a ton of upside based on his frame, but throughout the entire time that I've known him, he's never put it together. He's never really showed me that he's a a D1 prospect, especially at the highest level. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if he was a D1 guy just 
you know, as a take based on his measurables, but certainly not a guy that I thought Florida State would ever be involved with. Um, I got I, I I am completely left scratching my head on this one. As detailed as Florida State is with their recruiting and the, the way that they they you know break everything down, for whatever reason they took Chaz Neal based off of one camp. It can't be based off of his film. They they took him based on camp, and they didn't test him. I mean, they test all these guys for their forty, their high jump, their broad jump. They do all this elaborate testing, and Chaz didn't even test before they took him. So yeah. it, it really confuses me as to why why he would be a take at this point. He also he worked a good bit at offensive tackle at the camp more so but than Chris. How camp. interested did did Coach Cricket seem in him? Not at all. I mean, he was a reacher who was off balance. He just didn't look comfortable at that position. Naturally, physically, he looks like an offensive lineman. He's long armed, six seven, fairly wide shoulders, a frame you can put more bulk on. But he didn't play like a kid that had any interest in being an offensive lineman. He didn't look comfortable being an offensive lineman. I didn't get the take when they took it. I don't get it days later. Well, let me understand. Let me explain further why I don't understand it, if you don't mind. Um, a, a couple people are saying what you said about maybe, oh, he's an offensive line prospect. Neither you nor I believe that he's ever going to play for Rick Trickett on that offensive line. The other thing people are saying is, uh, well, he's he's an Armwood kid and he's friends with Warren Thompson. I would use the term friends loosely when, when talking about him and Warren. And he's also not an Armwood prospect anymore. He's at Wesley Chapel. And, and as much as we've talked about Warren Thompson and his mother, the, you win mom, you win the recruitment. Having Chaz Neal at FSU does nothing to, to, to put you in a better position for Warren Thompson. And as we've said every year, Florida State would never take a guy that has no value to them just to, take, just to land another prospect. So neither of those rationales for taking Warren, for taking Chaz Neal are acceptable to me Um I think it comes down to lazy recruiting, to be to be honest with you. Florida State hasn't gotten any defensive ends on on campus that that are of you know elite level, like we like as we say, and they've taken flyers on every guy that's come come through. So, Chaz Neal, there's another kid at Armwood that has nearly the same me- measurables. Malcolm Lamar, he's six foot six. He's about 270 pounds. He plays defensive end. He plays D-tackle for Armwood. He's about two steps above Chaz Neal when it comes to talent. He's still raw. He's still a project. Yet Florida State hasn't offered Malcolm Lamar. I, I cannot wrap my head around the fact that they not only offered Chaz Neal, but accepted a commitment from him. Yeah, I, I, their D-end recruiting is a little dumbfounding, to be perfectly honest. I mean, Coyote Oladelli was probably the best one they had. He decommits. It is what it is. The relationship's kind of weird. Uh, you know, there's some people handling that kid's recruitment. I'm not going to get all into that. But basically, you know, right now FSU and them are not on the same page. And then you have Stacy Kirby, who shows up to camp but doesn't work out. And truthfully, you know, if he worked out, it would be very interesting, the reaction he garnered from the staff. You got Andrew Tuazama who works out, comes in with an offer. I think he would like to commit. I'm not convinced the staff will take a commitment right now from him, but he was certainly better than Chaz Neal in the same setting. Jarrett Jackson, a kid who's kind of a tight end DN type from South Florida, comes in, earns an offer, puts FSU in his top five. He was certainly better than Chaz Neal. Uh, you know, Patrick Joyner, if we want to throw him in the DN category, excellent player. I think he's the best DN that they have currently committed to them, if we're going to talk about that. 
Amari Gaynor probably is a better DN than anybody else they have committed to him other than maybe Patrick Joyner, and he's more of a natural linebacker than a DN. So it's just kind of weird at a position where they have had a great deal of success. They have a talented roster that they can't seem to lure one kid of a higher level to truly give them interest. You know, Micah Parsons is the golden goose, the kid at the top of the mountain that you would love to have, but there's plenty of good ones in between him and Chaz Neal and plenty of them that are located within driving distance that they simply haven't gotten on campus. So I don't know. I'm not going to act like I know more about defensive ends than Brad Lawwing because I actually think very highly of Brad as an X's and O's coach and what he does at that position. But I just have to admit that the recruiting at that position right now, it, it leaves me confused at the end of the day. Like I don't, I don't get the paint, the picture they're trying to paint. Like I don't understand. I know they might upgrade the, you know, decal might recruit for itself with a solid season. Some kid might jump in the picture that we're not talking about now. But at this point, getting ready to enter August, I don't get FSU's defensive end. Yeah, despite their recruiting efforts at FSU, I, I think the position will recruit itself just as it did last year. I think Florida State's going to end up with an elite defensive end on the commit list before it's all said and done. But that just comes off the logo. I mean, you know, Florida State, the logo recruits itself. And, and there will be defensive ends that want to jump in the boat come October, November, December, January. Um, we'll just have to see who those are this year. All right, let's uh, let's move to some a little bit more positive. You guys happy for Jonathan Huggins? He was a guy who wanted to commit a month ago. It was kind of complicated, and now the safety from uh, from Daytona Beach is back in the fold. Yeah, I'm happy for him. He's a he's a nice kid. He works his butt off, and he's a good football player. He's basically that Trey Marshall role. So he definitely has a role in FSU's defense. He doesn't really take a spot from anybody else. It doesn't hurt Israel. It doesn't hurt Houston. Those guys all play different things. And he's a kid that wants it. There's something about guys who are plenty talented that want to be a part of your roster. That makes your roster better. And, you know, John's working hard. He told me he's up to about a 247 GPA. He's taking some uh, course recovery stuff this summer. Should help him out a little bit more. He now has the test score he needs. Mainland does a good job of helping their kids out, you know, making sure they handle their academics when they're on campus well. He was not at Mainland prior to this point. So I don't think the hole is going to get any deeper for him. I think he's going to have a pretty good chance of being sure he qualifies, which is the reason they didn't accept Angie. They weren't sure that basically you don't take a kid you're not sure is going to be able to fill the spot you're taking him for. You can do that late in the process when your numbers are figured out a little bit more, but you don't do it early in the process when you might get a you know safety or a linebacker in that you value more highly. You don't want to say, well, hell, we're not sure how the number is going to work because we have John and Huggins committed, but he might not qualify. Now that they know they expect him to qualify, you give him that spot. Yeah, I agree with Chris on, on all of that. Um, he, he, we've talked about this. Chris calls him Trey Marshall. I think he's a little rangier at six foot two, 200, but he is a big hitter. Um, he'll play a similar position on the team as, as Trey, but I don't know if their playing styles are exactly the same. Um, but yeah, I think after what happened in June when he tried to commit and all that went, didn't go the right way. Um, it's pretty telling that he came back to camp again. He camped again. He competed again. You know, the coaches see all this. That's a big part of the evaluation process. As we've said on this pod before, um, just, just watching who's in cleats and who's in sneakers is telling for the staff. So the fact that he came back and did it again, um, improved his grade situation. The the Florida State staff did what they said they were going to do, and they they took his commitment this time. 
All right, so that rounds us up on the commitments, correct? None that I'm forgetting about? Uh, well, Virtus Brown was before camp. He came in last, what, Monday and committed to FSU very soon after. So he's an odd kid that we've picked up, that FSU has picked up recently. Talented interior lineman. You know, yeah. his recruitment was kind of interesting because, to my knowledge, he hadn't been to FSU prior to that visit. He visits, he commits. It was all very quick. He's actually from the same high school as Houston Griffith, so it might help a little bit there. They're high school teammates now at IMG, but they're also from the same high school back in Chicago. Um, but no, he excellent offensive lineman, interior guy, probably a center at FSU. You know, you add him to Christian Meadows, another interior guy, and Christian Armstrong, an outside guy. You've got a real nice, you know, solid level of what your offensive line recruiting is going to be. You want to finish it off with probably another tackle, maybe another interior lineman, but it kind of allows you the flexibility of focusing on just the best of the best down the stretch instead of simply trying to satisfy numbers. Yeah, they're putting together a nice little offensive line class after kind of not neglecting the position, but it certainly wasn't a priority in last year's recruiting cycle, and, and we'll move on from there. So let's go into a little bit more about defensive recruiting and kind of oh, what's hey, clear. Sinone, come yeah. on, man. Marquez Ezard. Oh, Jesus. All right. I blame that on you guys. We went down the list before. I will take you're, you're, you're supposed to be the moderator of this conversation. You're supposed to guide the ship. You know, we're, we're just here to fill up the space. So Obi Wan Kenobi once said, "Who's the fool? The fool or the one? I don't know what actually what he said. Never mind. Uh, let's talk about Marquez, the uh, uh, athlete from uh, from Georgia. Chris, you think he's more of a safety? He commits to wide, uh, FSU as a wide receiver. Uh, obviously, that's a big get because he's from Georgia. He knows Justin Fields, uh, but he's a talented guy. I guess. What are your general thoughts on on Marquez? I think he could be an elite safety. I also think he'd be a damn good receiver. It's not like I think he's a poor receiver. I just the frame, the body, the athleticism. I think would be great at safety. But I also love turning everybody into a safety. <laughs> you do. You want uh-huh. to move everyone into safety and every offensive lineman into interior <laughs> offensive lineman. Yeah. Well, hey, Rick Trickett loves to make everybody a center too. Um, but on Ezra, talented kid. He's physical. He's quick. He's more quick than fast. To me, like the top end speed isn't blazing. But the change of direction speed, the tight space speed, he's real good at that stuff. I think he's a kid that can do a lot of work as a physical slot. I think you can kind of line him up, create mismatches, work to the middle. He can help you blocking at the second level. I think he holds a lot of value there. Plus, I think he's a guy, if you put it up in the air, he's going to go and compete for it. He's a kid that catches it, it's apex. He's going to be physical. He's going to go up. He's going to fight for the ball. He's going to secure the ball. That's what I took away from watching this film. He didn't work out at camp. I wanted to kind of watch him in person just to get that in-person feel for him. But I, I like him. I, uh, I hadn't really formed an opinion on him until when he camped at FSU. I went and watched the film a little bit more and found some other film that's not on Huddle. And uh, I'm a fan. I, I like him. I think he's a good take. I think he's a physical kid who helps at the receiver spot. And they need to add receivers, you know. If they had seven receivers committed right now and Warren Thompson wanted it, you take it and you figure out the five or six that you're going to sign. This isn't a year where you become, you know, super wait, see who wants in in January, February. You take good, talented players that can help you now at the position and you try to close the deal on two or three elite kids down the stretch and figure out the number set. All right. So, and apologies for me forgetting about Ezra there. Um, not on my A game. In-laws are still here, so a little rusty. How long do you think I could use that as an excuse? Through football season or at least through the end of camp? No. What, Ian? 
we're not accepting it now, so. <laughs> yeah, no excuses. Play like a champion. Yeah. Uh, we all know I'm very mentally fragile. Uh, collapse in the fourth quarter. Um, let's go to defensive re- recruiting at linebacker and defensive end especially. I know we went over defensive end a little bit, but uh, we saw that the secondary kind of took shape uh, this summer. We saw that wide receivers kind of starting to take shape. So some positions that were kind of unknowns entering June and July, at least we have kind of an idea of where Florida State is, what the board looks like, that that, that kind of stuff. Uh, Josh, you started talking about defensive end recruiting a little bit and said, use the word lazy there, I guess. What are, your, what are your thoughts on where defensive end recruiting is right now and I guess why the board looks the way it does? There's certainly guys committed, but – no one to really get excited about, I guess, or except for maybe Patrick Joyner. Yeah, uh, there's nothing to make sense of at this point. Um, they haven't been able to get any elite defensive ends on campus. They haven't done a good job of that. Other, It, it shouldn't be a problem at Florida State. It just shouldn't. Um, it'll come around. I'm I'm completely confident of that, but there's not really anything to say because – I couldn't even guess right now who it would be, uh, not not with any substance behind it. Um, I, I'm pretty surprised that even a guy like Micah Parsons that they had an in on early, you know, and they were unable to get him in in the in the they were unable to get him in in April, and I'm really not counting on him coming by in the summer. And even if he does. I'd probably still consider him a long shot because I fully expect him to end up at uh, Ohio State. So, outside of Micah, I mean, Chris, is is there an elite defensive end that you would even say is on the board? No, I mean, if you look at the guys they were in on early that they love, Micah's one of those. Justin Mask always committed to Clemson is one of those. Clemson kind of came and pulled the rug out. Andres Fox is a guy they like a lot, but they're at best fourth fiddle. Uh, Xavier Thomas, probably yeah, the best end in the country, visited a couple of years ago. But, right. you know, at the end of the day, it came down to Clemson, South Carolina. He's going back home for college. And then on the Juco ranks, Dorian Gerald might be the best Juco in the country. Didn't visit. He locked him up before he could ever step on campus. So, you know, you look at who they've offered at the position, and there's nobody that jumps out as you out at you as though, you know, this is a guy they can chase down the stretch. Micah is that guy. They love Micah, but he hasn't visited. So, yeah, it's – I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of, like, Aziz Ojulari. He's a Georgia kid. He came down for a junior day. He has a younger brother who's going to be a big-time kid too. Visited. But he did visit back in February, but they haven't truly pursued him since. I mean, they went by to school a couple times in the spring because he's not the only prospect there. There's guys to check on beyond just him. But there's no offer. There's no follow-up. He came down to UF for Friday Night Lights, I believe. You know, he's not scared of leaving the state and going to check out other schools. He's got a high ceiling. He was an excellent kid at the opening. I think FSU would have a legitimate shot of being in the competition. But they've shown no apparent interest in being in the competition. The position will recruit itself later in the year. We'll see it happen. All right, so once again, patience. Uh, what about linebacker? That's the position that you have Amari Gaynor, uh, but FSU's been kind of slow in its evaluation, or at least its offer, and it doesn't seem like they're in a huge rush to get that position taken care of, at least in this summer, uh, this part of the recruiting process. Chris, where's linebacker at right now, and, and I guess why are things a, a little slower right now? Well, they got three major targets on campus in the last week. They got Rosendo Lewis, who's a pure inside linebacker, maybe only a two-down linebacker. 
but a really good physical presence. Him, his parents came, enjoyed the hell out of it. Bill Miller, they showed him the whole nines. They worked really hard on him. I think they made a major move there. It's going to be FSU or Miami down the stretch for him. Channing Tindall, who's a kid that I fell in love with at the opening. A lot of people nationally are very high on. Supremely good. He came in, worked out a session, spent a little time at FSU before he went to UF for a visit. He's going to decide in September. FSU's kind of got to do the quick game with him, but they've offered. They're in the picture. Tyndall wanted an offer from FSU, and it wasn't simply to say he had an offer from FSU. There's legit interest. There's some ties back home for him. He's from Columbia, South Carolina, Spring Valley, to Florida State that are also kind of playing a role in his recruitment. Uh, the Bullware brothers being kind of the main thing there. And then uh, Andrew Johnson, kid from Tiff County, Georgia. He's probably an inside backer. He could also be like an outside jack type who could even play DN. He came in the day after camp, spent some time. He's sort of quiet. It's tough to get a great read, but FSU is certainly one of the four or five schools he's really looking at. He's right up the road. He's in Tiff County, Georgia, Tifton, Georgia. So he's a kid that can easily get on campus. I think he's sort of a somewhat of a plan B type to the first two guys we talked about. But if they had to, they could bring him in. And then uh, Dax Hollyfield did not come in, but he's talked about bringing himself back to FSU for an official visit early in the season, I believe the Miami game. So he's another guy that's in the picture. But, you know, right now I think Rosendo Lewis is a guy that they have a great shot of maybe closing on them in Miami. And then uh, Channing Tindall, they're going to have to do that quick game, but he's worth it. He's a kid you go all in on trying to swing your way. Yeah, I agree with Chris. I don't think there's, I don't have any concerns over Florida State filling their needs at linebacker after having seen Rosendo Lewis and Channing Tindall on campus. Um, I think Rosendo, you know, I haven't put a crystal ball in on him, but if there was one guy coming out of camp that I'm close to putting one in on, it would probably be Rosendo to FSU. Um, Channing Tindall, again, another guy, you know, despite FSU's efforts in recruiting, he, made sure that he was going to get that offer. He recruited himself to Florida State. Um, he showed up on campus, really hit it off with Amari Gaynor. You know, he, he looked like he was having a great time out there. Um, he is making a December, uh, September decision, so it'll be interesting to see if they can continue to develop that relationship. But I think they have a great shot at him. Really, Florida State only needs one more. I think they would absolutely take um, – any combination of Rosendo, Dax, and Tyndall. So I have no concerns over them filling their needs at linebacker at this point. And I, I, I did come out, uh, I talked to Patrick Joyner on his exit interview. He's still going to take visits, and Miami's still the biggest possibility of pulling him away. Well, what's in the at Paradise camp? Uh, you know, I don't know if he definitely made it. He had told me they, they thought they were going to make it there, but they were on kind of a bus tour. They were going to Auburn after FSU and trying to end up back in Miami. But you know how travel gets with bus tours where things get off schedule and just doesn't happen. So I'm not 100% sure he showed up or not. I'm sure Ivan's reported on it, but I just hadn't looked. Yeah, I think he did. But but, uh, but Miami's the biggest suitor. Bama jumped in the fray here recently, went off her. But talking to him kind of in the exit interview leaving FSU, I felt a lot more confident that he's closer to sticking than I did in June. In June, he left it very open-ended. This time around, he made it pretty clear that as long as FSU makes him a top priority, he thinks he's going to end up in Tallahassee. All right. So what I'd like to do here, guys, is before uh, before we wrap things up, I guess the two topics to talk about 
Uh, one obviously is Justin Fields, and, and we'll get to that in a second, everyone. Don't worry. What would a recruiting podcast be without talking about Justin Fields? But uh, before we do that, let's kind of look at, I guess, where FSU goes from here now that the summer recruiting uh, session is over with. We're about to hit uh, preseason camp for Florida State's attention is going to be kind of put to that in the next week or so. Uh, so recruiting-wise, where does Florida State go from here? I guess what are positions that still need a lot of work, which are ones that are kind of clarified? Uh, outside of quarterback, we'll, we'll finish with that. So if you guys want to kind of take us uh, from there so people can get an idea of what, what the next step is uh, for Florida State. The well, other, yeah, go ahead, Chris. That was my fault. Asking. I probably should have directed it to one of you. Chris, would you like to go first? Yeah, I'll start with a short one, and Josh can take over from there. They're at 17 commitments. I think they add another 10 or 11. They end up with around 25, which means obviously you bleed a couple guys out of class. Josh's boy, Chaz Neal, is probably at the top of that list, unless he hangs on for dear life to the offer he doesn't deserve. Um, And then I I think what it comes down to is you see them focus on the big dogs. You know, quarterback with fields, we're going to get to that. Running back's not a worry. Wide receiver's cleared up. Couple guys, Justin Ross, Warren Thompson's. You go after them at the end. Tight end, they don't need one. O line, William Barnes, Trey Hill, those types. Uh, D line, figure out what the hell you're doing at defensive end. Which at this point, who the hell knows? And at defensive tackle, add another big body. You don't need a whole lot there, but you probably want at least one more linebacker. One to two. We just discussed those guys. Defensive back, a guy like Houston Griffith, Pat Sertain, or Cherry on top. You know, that's kind of what it is for me down the stretch. I'll let Josh jump in from there. What was the question? <laughs> I don't know if it really was a question. It was more of a old uh, reporter talk about kind of uh, just basically, Josh, what you think recruiting board looks like where FSU goes. Like, oh, don't talk about Justin, Justin Fields. The rest of his uh, world tour. So I was kind of consumed by that. <laughs> no, solid. no, Justin Fields. Hold on for that for five minutes. Everything else Justin but Justin Fields. I was talking about Justin Bieber. Oh, Justin Bieber? Yeah. Your haircut kind of looks like Justin Bieber's did a couple of years ago. Is that, is that your uh, inspiration? Uh, so, Focus. Yeah, my ADD is kicking in. We need to wrap this up. So what was – I was just going to um, recap like where Florida State goes from here. They yeah. – the really the only the only board that's a complete mess is defensive end. I think everything else is shaping up really well, and they're going to kind of focus on ten spots. They're going to try to fill it with elite players, just as they did last year. And I see them with a top five finish or right around there. I like how you kind of did that rapid fire to keep yourself engaged. All right, let's go to Justin Bieber Fields. Josh, where does FSU stand for him? Well, according to me, they're getting them. So yeah, you um, crystal balled them. You feel pretty good about that, huh? <laughs> I put in a crystal ball on Justin Fields on Friday, uh, a little bit after he left campus. Just really, you know, my pick isn't isn't based on a smoking gun. Um, he hasn't committed. He hasn't told me where he's going. He hasn't told a recruit where he's going. Um, I don't know any other secret signs there are out there. But just, you know, based on on my sources that I trust that are very close to the recruitment of fields, I, I expect him to commit to Florida State. So when that happens, I don't know. But I'm thinking it's going to be probably in the fall, maybe after a couple official visits. Yeah, the crystal ball sits at 53% for Judson Fields right now to Florida State. Do Josh you know who, the, who the next closest one is? Uh, Georgia, Georgia at 20%. Okay. Most people feel Georgia's running second. I'm not of that opinion. I think it's Auburn. 
Georgia's certainly in it, though. I'm not dismissing Georgia as a potential landing spot. I just, I'm holding on to long-held beliefs about Auburn in this recruitment, more so than what's recently developed with stuff. Uh, but I, I did say it on the board. I haven't put in a crystal ball, but if I had to, it would be Florida State at this point. I'm just not in a rush to put in crystal balls. I don't feel the need to appease people by putting in crystal balls. Um, but I, I do feel that FSU is in a great spot. I mean, he keeps coming back. Pro-style offense is appealing. Jimbo, Damian Craig, Tino Sansuri, others on that staff, Randy Sanders, and others have done a phenomenal job of communicating with him and his father, a very clear, concise message. They're specific about you're going to be surrounded by very good talent on offense. You're going to compete against a high-level defense every damn day in practice. We're going to play really good teams in and out of conference. We're going to compete for the ACC crown. We're going to compete for the national championship. We're going to compete for the playoffs. We're going to run a pro-style offense. We're going to prepare you for the pros. Those kind of clear, concise bullet points, nail at home, that's what's going to win in this recruitment. You can be showy. You can be flashy. You can make everything look awesome. It's what the hell are you going to make Justin Fields do in college that's going to make him prepare himself for the next level. Is he comfortable at that place, and does that place prepare him for the next level? It's going to determine this recruitment. The family's extremely business-like, very business approach. They don't like visits getting out beforehand. They don't like a whole lot of showy, flashy interviews. They're not about that life. They want this to be done in a controlled manner. They've been that way. They've taken visits to main schools they care about, which you know included the three we talked about in Florida. I think we can excuse Florida from the conversation after their development at quarterback over the weekend. Mm-hmm. But it's going to come down to these schools continuing to show him this. I think early season play will matter. I think, you know, how a guy like Francois or a guy like Eason or a guy like uh, Stidham, how they perform in their given offense early in the year, what they show, what those coaches can point to with their play in those offense. I think those are things that will matter if this recruitment bleeds into late September, early October, mid to late October and beyond. I think those kind of things matter. And I'm with Josh. I'm not convinced he decides before taking a couple officials. Prior to the opening, I was told he would likely take a couple officials. He said at the opening he would probably end up taking a couple officials. But he's been very you know, nondescript when he might decide. He leaves it pretty wide open for when he's ready. But he is not in a rush. And nobody in that family, including his father, who's sort of the recruiting coordinator of this whole thing, is in a rush. So I, I don't think they feel the pressure that a lot of quarterbacks feel to be off the board. Everybody's going to be willing to wait. All right. I think that's uh, that's everything. Josh, you doing all right? You still with us? Yeah, I'm here, man. I'm here. All right. Um, anything else before before we wrap up? Uh, this will be our last uh, recruiting podcast until, I don't know, we'll yeah, do sometime during camp, I guess, but it may be a couple of weeks, right? Hey, it doesn't matter. Yeah, Nobody listens to this anyway, so I'm, I'm, whatever you want. I'm taking my ass to Cancun and my computer is staying at home. But you know what? The internet probably works better in Cancun than it does with Comcast and Tallahassee. And if your ass is in Cancun, as long as you got a couple of photos and a, and a camera there, we're all set. Oh, well, if Chris is going to Cancun, we can do a podcast while he's gone. I didn't know I'd have an opportunity to do one by myself. We can do one with just kind of I'll just throw you questions and let you just kind of swing away as long as you're not looking at uh, Justin Bieber tour dates. We're good well, to no, go. As long as the, it doesn't go over like a half hour. That's all you're not taking a, you're not taking a vacation next week, Josh. You've worked <laughs> no. for like a week straight. <laughs> Somebody's got to hold the fort down. Uh, okay. I guess I won't hold the fort down. I got one week that I have to be responsible on the site. That's it. One week. 
Chris is going to come back, and those 24-7 will no longer exist. They got it obliterated somewhere in the just floating around. Well, he's gone. We can do a pod every day for all I care. That's all we'll do is podcasts. Some other websites have tried that, and we'll see how successful that is. Just podcasts for everything. We got position previews coming up, podcast. Got a guy visiting, podcast. I like it. Don't have... Don't have shit to say? Podcast. Podcast. If I just want to do rant, do you guys want to hear about the Orlando Magic? Podcast. <laughs> All right. I think this is a good ending point. Yeah, this is. we probably should have ended a minute ago. All right. With the Knowles 24-7 podcast, I'm Brendan Snow. Thank you, uh, Josh Newberg, Chris Nee, for joining me. Uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.